Are you a professional woman who wants to create passive income streams and financial freedom through real estate investing? Join us here on Real Estate Investor Goddesses, hosted by Monique Holm. Listen to women who are rocking it in real estate investments as they share their stories of success, failures, and best advice in real estate investing. Start creating real wealth through real estate. Tune in today. Here's your host, real estate investor, syndicator, and developer, Monique Holm. Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom, and on this show, I interview badass real estate investor goddesses, women that are crushing it in the real estate investing space. And I'm super excited to have with me today, Nancy Chillock, who is a former attorney, CPA, real estate broker, and she had her own law firm for over 25 years and retired in 2013. God bless her. I was telling her how I could... <laughs> I did law for 10 very, very long years. I'm so happy to be out. She actually liked it. She has always invested in real estate, but after retiring from the practice of law, she dove in full time into this passion. She's the founder and CEO of Primary Home Solutions, a company that buys, renovates, and sells houses, and 23rd Street Investors, a company that helps people passively invest in commercial real estate so they can retire early, spend more time with their kids, and have a more secure financial future. I'm very excited to have her with us. Welcome, Nancy. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's great seeing you again. Likewise. Yeah, we first met on a cruise for real estate investors a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's really fun that we're able to have this conversation now. Absolutely. So tell us how you got started in real estate investing. Well, when I first graduated from law school, I was working in San Francisco and I had lunch with a friend of mine and we started talking about real estate. And all of a sudden she gets up, she runs outside to one of those kiosks that they used to have that advertised real estate for sale because there was no online service at that time and brought back in this thing and we flipped through it and we found a five unit Victorian in San Francisco and just thought, wow, it'd be cool to own that. And it was seller financing. And we had no idea what we were doing. And we bought it. And we managed it for four years and then sold it and, you know, quadrupled our money. Nice. It, it was great. <laughs> and, and I never looked back. I just got bitten by the real estate bug at that point, And I just kept going. That's amazing. I wish I'd had a friend who was like, here's a book. Let's do this. Back <laughs> well, when. and I think that if I knew then what I know now, I may not have done it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't think about all the horror stories that can happen, you know, and you just got to do it. Before we started rolling, we were talking a, a little bit about horror stories. So I normally, I always like to ask, like, what was your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? So I, but before I do that, I'd love to hear, like, what was your biggest horror story? And it might be the, the same um, answer, but what are the, the big horror stories? Well, I had one where I was evicting a tenant. I've got so many horror stories having done this for, you know, over 30 years. But I was evicting a tenant. And during the eviction process, they stopped paying their utilities. And it was winter. 
and they ripped out all the kitchen cabinets and burned them in the fireplace for heat. Oh my god. <laughs> that was something to walk into after uh we got them out. Oh my gosh. I actually have one going now, which is a horror story. I bought it. I'm flipping a house and I took it with the tenant in there. And the reason I, I usually don't do that, but I got a much better price on it because the tenant was in there. Well, when I evicted him, he came back and he ripped out the well because it's a property by, you know, that gets their water from a well. And so we ripped up the well and he cut down a 30 year old oak tree came in the oh. middle of the night and just slashed it and it's just like really so those things happen they do happen i definitely have my horror stories but i don't want to scare people who are listening and going so why are you doing this if that's so crazy <laughs> so what's your answer why are you doing this well i mean it's a risk of any business and i would say for one horror story i have 50 great stories. And so you just have to realize that those things happen. And when they happen once, you tend to learn from them, hopefully, and they don't happen again. But And there's some things you just can't avoid. And that's why you have insurance. And, you know, you put precautions in place. So what what are some of the things that you've learned from those horror stories? Really weed out your tenants. Make sure you get somebody that is a good tenant. If you're flipping properties, try not to do it with a tenant in place that you have to evict because <laughs> that can get dicey. Yeah. So those are two of the things I learned. Yeah. Sometimes you cannot get rid of the tenants. and Sometimes you don't want to. So we, we bought one of our my horror stories is an apartment building apartment and townhome community that we purchased in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, uh, you know, if you're buying a a building, you don't want to evict all the tenants, though there were tenants that were quite, quite, it was, it was quite the facility. So the day before we closed, there was a drive-by shooting at the property. So one of, not even, yeah, one of the maintenance guys were shot then they came back and had another drive-by shoot. No, thankfully, nobody was hurt then, but there were bullet holes in the walls. And then we had uh, two fires at that property. We had tenant that put a gun on, like, put a gun on one of our property managers. We had the, oh. we had people break in. This was a great story. It was Valentine's Day, and this. Somebody broke into one of the empty units, and the next day we found rose petals and hypodermic needles. Yeah, so we were having quite the celebration. <laughs> so it was it was that kind of building. So um, SA def- neighborhood, right? <laughs> yeah, A class <laughs> all the way. So we, we, it was a lot of work, but it was also what was very um, guess, satisfying about it was after months of <laughs> changing out bad tenants, playing new ones, doing a lot of work to fix it up and make it a nice, safe, secure place. You know, coming to visit and having the tenants say, hey, you're the owner. 
I can have my, I'm so happy with the changes you've made. My kids are now able to play outside in the, in the courtyard. Never felt safe with them playing outside before. And now they can play outside. Oh, like, that's great. Paying, like, I'm having my mom move into that empty apartment over there because I love it here now. And so that, that made it worth it. But whoa. See, those are the good stories that come out of the horror stories. <laughs> yeah, the good stories that come out of the horror stories. But boy, was it a, a horror story duplex. before that. I had a duplex I was buying, and about two days before close of escrow, I got a call from the neighbor because I always give them, you know, my cards and say, call me if there's ever an issue. And she called me and said, I hate to tell you this, but your house is on fire. I go, what? I immediately called the escrow company and said, hold the sale. (laughs) And it turns out that the garage got burned down, but it was a separate structure So it didn't hurt the house at all, but I was able to negotiate a reduction in the sales price for more than twice of what it cost me to rebuild the garage. Nice. So that was good. Yeah. There are all sorts of things. It's it's a very unpredictable business. It's never (laughs) boring. It's not boring, but it can be very rewarding. So what are you most proud of? My daughters. (laughs) Oh, you're talking real estate? (laughs) You know, growing up, my daughters were just like not into real estate at all. And they're sort of coming around. Actually, my oldest daughter has now just sold a duplex that her and her husband bought two years ago. And because the market in Tucson is doing so well, they were able to make a great profit in just two years. So I think I think they're hooked a bit yeah they got they got the bug (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I hope I hope to get my daughters when they're older investing too so it's it's wonderful to be able to share that you know you've been doing this successfully for over 30 years what to what do you attribute your success I think my tenacity and my drive You know, normally when I set a goal, I just go for it. And there are obstacles. And if you let the obstacles get in your way and stop you, then you never get to your goal. So I think that's what I mostly attribute my success to. Yeah, that's great. And learning from past mistakes, you know, it's always an education. That is the thing. It's always... uh... There's so much feedback we get, right? And then you learn a lot more for when, when things from when things don't go right, right? Than when they do. So that's good. Yeah, if you get the lesson, then it's worth it. What advice do you have for a woman who's just starting out in this field? Don't think small. When I started out, you know, I just naturally assumed I would buy, you know, single family homes. I mean, I bought that one five unit building, but when I say small, I mean, don't think that you can't invest in a hundred units in a hundred unit apartment building or 50 unit apartment building, because the reality is the effort it takes to do that is almost the same as buying a single family home you know, a few more moving pieces, but don't think that you can't do something. Yeah. So look around and just assume that anything out there that you want to buy, you can buy. And then it's just a matter of figuring out how to do it. Hey, goddess, have you been sitting on the sidelines? 
and you're now ready to get started investing in real estate? If so, join me for my free online training, How to Get Started in Real Estate Investing as a Busy Professional Woman. Go to tinyurl.com forward slash W-R-E-I-G to register for our complimentary training and to learn how to get investing in real estate like a goddess today. See you there. I think a lot of people have, and I had that too. It's like the Monopoly game theory of how you have to invest. Like first you need a little greenhouse, then you need a little greenhouse, then you need a little greenhouse. When you have enough little greenhouses, then you can get the Red Hotel, right? And when I found out that it's not, you don't have, A, you don't have to do it that way. And B, the hotel is not, or the big red building is not harder than the greenhouses. It's in certain cases, especially if you're self-employed and you don't, you're not a W-2, it can be easier even to do bigger. That was game changing for me. So it's really good advice. And, and I think looking back, I mean, I, I loved doing the real estate. I mean, that was just fun for me to do the negotiations, to buy a house and then to rehab it and to either rent it or sell it. I mean, I just liked doing that. But I think what I would have done is alongside that, as I saved up money from working, I would have invested passively in large apartment buildings yeah you know or some sort of multifamily unit and had that as passive income you know and done both as opposed to you know having 50 single family homes yeah that's something i wish i'd known about earlier too i just i didn't know syndication existed i didn't know that you could own a piece of a large property and I, when I found out, I was like, why did I not know about this before? <laughs> right. Well, I knew it existed. I didn't. You know? <laughs> but the issue was I'm a control freak. <laughs> and what I realized is that, and I didn't realize it then, is that you can be in control by choosing the right people that you're investing with. Yeah. As long as you've check them out, feel comfortable with them, and they're the type of people you want to do business with, then you can go in as a passive investor. Where if it's somebody that you don't trust or you don't know or you haven't done your research, then you don't have as much control. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's the thing, you know, I knew about it, but I was afraid of not being able to control the whole project. Yeah. I love passively investing now. <laughs> it's, nice. it's so relaxing. It is once nice. you have vetted the team, right? So right. Once, and and it's in. It's like, oh, okay. Then they they'll do it, and you just wait for your money to come back with friends. So you know, and I we're both active syndicators too. So we're on the active side as well. But I have money mostly my retirement funds and and passive deals. I think it's great. <laughs> I love it. It's nice. Yeah, it is nice. So what? Do you wish you'd known at the beginning that you now know? I don't know if it's so much no, but I think what I would have done was started investing for cash flow right away as opposed to appreciation. So appreciation is great, 
but you can't really count on it. And my attitude when I started investing was, well, you know, I'm making this great money as an attorney. I really don't need passive income. So therefore, I'm going to invest for appreciation. Well, that can come back to bite you if you've gone through, you know, the 2008 meltdown. You know, it's like, well, what happened to all that appreciation? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and fortunately, you know, we actually bought smart at that time, you know, and we're able to weather through that. But I think if I were starting out again, I would buy for cash flow, even though I don't need the cash flow, because it's really tax-free income, you know, because of the depreciation. And knowing that you've replaced your salary, then if you want to go part-time or you want to quit altogether or you just want more income, it's great. takes a lot of pressure off, and I think that's what I would have done. That's great. You know, I started investing in California, too, and partly because I didn't realize at the beginning that you didn't have to invest where you lived. So in an expensive market like L.A., I was just thrilled when I didn't lose money on my properties. (laughs) If it paid for itself, I felt like I was winning, right? You know, it's just like, oh, it breaks even. Woo! And I get appreciation. So I had this thing called cash flow. (laughs) That was even possible. And (laughs) and when the market's going up, you know, that's what happened with the mortgages. People were getting into the negative amortization mortgages where, you know, they they weren't paying down the full mortgage, but they were just breaking even on the property. But they kept seeing all these dollars add up in appreciation, you know, for several years And then it just fell apart. And then their mortgage, you know, started having higher interest. And it was something they could not get out of. They couldn't make higher payments. The negative just kept getting bigger and bigger. They couldn't refinance. And they had to walk away. And so, you know, my advice is just start making sure you're getting cash flow And if you get appreciation, great, it's a bonus. All right, before we get into our famed end of show trinity, which is a brag, gratitude, and a desire, how can people connect with you and find out more about what you do? Well, they can go to my website at 23rdstreetinvestors.com and read about our company, how we operate, find out more about me and my advisory team and my partner, and take a look at, you know, sample of our portfolio. They can download my free ebook about why real estate investing is right for you. And they can get in touch with me there. 23rdstreetinvestors.com. Fantastic. All right. So now it's time for our Trinity. What are you celebrating right now? What's your brag? Well, a few months ago, I kicked off my own podcast, and so I'm pretty happy about that. Most of the episodes are just me giving real estate advice to new investors, or at least investors new to syndications. So I'm pretty happy with that, and I'm starting to sprinkle in interviews, and would love to have you as a guest one day. My pleasure, and well bragged. What's the name of your podcast? It's called The Artful Investor. The Artful Investor. Amazing. And what's one thing you're grateful for? 
grateful that people trust me with their money. You know, as a lawyer, you know, it, it takes years to develop that trust with clients. And, you know, then once you have that trust, they never leave you. And I'm glad that a lot of that has come over to the syndication side, that people are willing to trust me with their hard-earned money to invest it wisely for them in syndications that I'm working on. Beautiful. And last but not least, what is one desire? To be able to travel again. <laughs> oh, this COVID thing has just, I'm so done. <laughs> uh, and I can't wait to get on a plane and go to Italy. Nice. Well, so shall your desire be or so much better than you can imagine. And thank you so much. For, this was great. Y'all, you can connect with Nancy at 23rdstreetinvestors.com. You can connect with me at reigoddesses.com. If you're interested in finding out about our passive investing opportunities, go and click on Investor Club. Join our free Investor Club to get on the list to find out about our opportunities. And subscribe and like. And if you found value here, please share this episode with a friend and join us next time for another Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast interview. Thanks and bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. You have just listened to another episode of Real Estate Investor Goddesses, a show dedicated to sharing stories of women creating real wealth through real estate. If you found value on what you just heard, feel free to share with your friends. Visit us at reigoddesses.com to learn more about our programs and live events, as well as to access other resources. Until next time.